This is Fundraising Radio, and today is a guest speaker. We have Wally Wink, angel investor and a venture capitalist, also advisor to several family offices and a limited partner to an OSS Capital. And this episode will touch on to many topics. Mainly, we'll talk about angel investing, and also we'll touch on to how limited partners work. So, Wally, let's kick off by you giving us some background on yourself and on Scale Asia Ventures. Sounds great. Thanks, thanks for having having me. So, I worked at a PM at a Microsoft,、uh, working back in、um, in Asia、uh, when I started、uh, first. So my career. So basically, I was working on the Bing Search Ads team then, and then I came to the States 2012、um, as a PhD student at、uh, NYU Stern Business School, where I'm pursuing、uh, information system PhD. That are basically leveraging machine learning and AI to solve real business problems. So I spent a few years in New York, and then I moved to the West Coast as a founding data scientist at、uh, a Y Combinator incubated company called, uh, called uh, Pebble. It's one、mm-hmm. of the earliest、uh, smartwatch companies. So I built the whole data science team and、uh, built the whole basically data infrastructure from ground up. And and so that gave me a very good understanding about the whole machine intelligence and machine learning perspective. So I kind of like following this as my whole career's theme. I moved to,、um, uh, back to to Asia in uh, late twenty、uh, fourteen, where I started to help、uh, Silicon Valley company to expand their business into the Asia markets. So the first company is called Misfit. It's also a wearable tech company that got acquired at 260 million by a public company in Dallas.、Um, and and then I helped、uh, the second one, which is a amp supervised machine learning AI platform that is、uh, headquartered here in、um, Mountain View,、uh, backed by NEA. And、uh, I brought them to Asia to solve. Frost solution、uh, basically provided frost solutions to internet giants as well as financial services and insurance companies in Asia, multiple countries, China, South Korea,、uh, Singapore, Southeast Asia. So that gave me a quite a bit. I mean,、um, expansion opportunity to get into all know all those big corporates in the in those different markets in Asia,、um, and I found it actually very exciting. To build up the team there and、uh, signing big contracts with those global, some of them are really global unicorns and really global、um, multinational companies.、Um, so, and then I, st- I have a one-year quick、uh, entrepreneurial、uh, company experience myself. So I built a AI cybersecurity startup、um, that I got, got acquired in China, and then I moved to this、uh, back to the Bay Area last year. Uh, so that's where I start the、um, investing in the early stage, and also advising the family office and also corporates into deploying capital in the late stage.、Um, so yeah, that's pretty much. So Scale Asia Ventures is my early stage fund that I'm focusing on anywhere from seed to Series B, and、uh, basically I'm a following investor into joining a round and basically provide my unique. A perspective from the data science, machine intelligence experience, as well as my、uh, connections in Asia, and、uh, for the late stage pre-IPO stage company, 
I will uh, directly advise the family office or the corporates that I'm advising to make direct investments into those uh, opportunities. Nice, nice. That's a very impressive and large background. I'm not quite sure where to start now, but you know, let's start from the probably scale age of ventures as it's an early stage fund. And uh, it sounds like it's through that fund you're investing in Asia, right? So what's the major benefit of doing this cross-border investing? What's the major benefit of you know, investing uh, in Asia while being in the United States? Yeah, it's actually the, I'm actually investing, uh, not in Asia, actually outside Asia. So, uh, Skill Asia is basically what we can provide a very unique value into those, uh, either the US, North American company or the European and Israeli company where Mm -hmm. we have a very unique, uh, LP, um, and also the uh, resources from Asia. So, I'll give you an example. I basically invest in a few areas. Um, one is definitely the um, vertical SaaS, vertical SaaS including the <clears throat> including those uh, RPA back office automation uh, tools uh, that are m- mainly focused on domestic U.S. markets, um, and they are also thinking about ex- bring that experience and opportunity over to the uh, to other countries. Um, so I have a few portfolio in that vertical SaaS space that I can maybe talk a little bit more later. And the other areas that I'm focusing on is in the, basically in the um, uh, deep uh, infrastructure uh, software company, including open source softwares and uh, cloud native infrastructures, those type of um, basically horizontal infrastructure software company that actually uh, also makes a tons of sense because a lot of the cloud providers talk about Alibaba cloud or Tencent cloud. Mm-hmm. They have a very strong uh, presence and penetrations in some emerging markets. And I have known them, the executives there for quite a few years. And there, some of them are my LP. So basically I can directly help those uh, American company to basically deploy their, uh, so their uh, software solution onto those uh, cloud providers. So that's a second, uh, investment, uh, uh, categories. And the last one is more on to healthcare, digital health related. That's actually also a very exciting angle that I, I, I think Scale Asia is actually providing a very unique, um, uh, value to the portfolio company where, you know, that the, the population density is huge in Asia. And uh, there's uh, many data that are actually can be uh, easily easily used to train the model of those uh, startups. So I can find, for example, um, I introduced my portfolio company to South Korea, largest South Korea's um, um, uh, basically radiologist network, where they can actually train on the South Korea's uh, population of their radiology uh, image uh, data and providing that unique models of uh, diagnosis or even therapeutics. So that's actually um, a, a very unique uh, value that I can, I think that those, uh, my connections from Asia that I c- can provide or help my portfolios in the, in, uh, in America to, uh, to basically to grow uh, faster. Got it. Got it. Now yeah. I understand that. And I'm curious, as an angel investor and as a yeah. fund manager, how many companies in total are there in your portfolio? Sure. 
So out of uh, Scalation Ventures, I've just started um, uh, um, less than a year now. So I've backed about six companies. Nice. Before that, I've uh, done a pretty active in deploying, uh, uh, basically using my own money to do some angel investments. So I've invested in myself about uh, another five or six companies so far. So I would say the... I'm, I'm actually uh, trying to deploy or invest uh, probably uh, 10 to 20 companies per year. Mm-hmm. That's an impressive number of companies, to be honest. I did not expect to hear that, that large number. But how do you find those companies? You make a ton of investments, basically. And how do you source your deals? Where do you find those companies that you invest in? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. I mean, it's, it's always, I mean, all different investors, they have their different strategies. So it's kind of like our secret sauce. <laughs> so we, uh, what I can uh, share a little bit is that I'm a very thesis-based investor. So I only look at those uh, areas that, that I'm focused on or I have uh, the synergy or my, my expertise and, uh, or I've been studying or following this in uh, vertical industry for a while. So that's probably, I think, is uh is is one of the source that I have basically after before I I I ever made an investment in that uh, category I actually uh, do at least a three to six months of study in the in the, in in that industry for example uh, in the open source software piece where let's talk about maybe like NoSQL database so in that specific area it's like uh. Uh, tens of billions market in, in general, and it's growing at like a 220, 30 um speed. Um, that area, there's, there's, uh, there's, uh, like a hundred, less than a hundred players in that specific area. So I tend to basically study all of them either from the public information or by directly talking with those teams. I mean, so that I, I, at least I need to have a, a full coverage of all those companies before before that I can actually make any investment in that area. Mm-hmm. Got it. That sounds like a pretty long process and a very solid approach. So it also sounds like you're covering a wide variety of uh, right. investment uh, tiers. So from very early to later on, so even including corporate. And yes. what I was curious about is that you mentioned that you were doing some advisory for family offices. Yes. Can you tell about that? Yeah, sure, sure. So the uh, so us as a fund manager, basically we are a... Uh, basically uh, helping others to manage their money. So that's our, that's the sole job of our, our, uh, <laughs> the, the whole description of our job. Even <laughs> though we are specialized in, uh, venture, venture investment, meaning they are like technology companies, but in general, we are still managing the money for our LPs. So the family office is one of the categories of the LP, which is, I would say, at least a half of the whole uh, money coming, I mean, pulling into the venture world. So family office, they have, they have their, um, previous family background, either they're in real estate or they're, they're in some other industries. And then they want to basically doing their asset allocation. So I'm helping them to identify the best asset in the private market in the uh, technology companies that they shall invest. 
meaning private market here means like any companies that are not yet uh, public. Um, so in those um, uh, categories, um, um, there's different stages. So for family offices, if they, um, so I advise them to make direct investment and for their, uh, for their, from their perspective, one of the goal is to making sure to minimize the risks. So I think uh, it's, it's quite different from the, talking about the risk profile is quite different from us as a angel investor where we, we, we love high risk, high return asset, or mm-hmm. that's the reason why we invested so early for them. Cause they have like hundreds of millions at least to de- deploy in the, in the private market. Um, so they want to make sure that at least that they want to preserve the money, not, not losing that. So that's quite different. And that they also want to have a good return. I mean, at least the beating some index or beating some, at least some like, uh, basically savings, saving accounts or interest rates. So, so the, 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 the goal is quite different from us as a early stage angel investor. So when I advise those family offices, I've actually been very cautious about adjusting the risks versus the reward. So a lot of the, a lot of the time, um, when we, when we identify those opportunity, we are very price sensitive. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm actually doing a lot of the, those, um, we have a more, uh, due diligence to do with their financials, uh, building up their, building the models and also predicting the, the growth and also the, uh, the market size. So that is, uh, extremely, extremely important. So I, I tend to spend a much more time on that part, uh, than, in the early stage at where I'm focusing more on the technology or on the product side. So it's quite different where, um, t- when we talk about, uh, the family office's appetite. So, but last year I've done actually three or four deals for them are, they, they are quite big companies, like, uh, billion, at least a billion dollar nice. um, valuation ish. And that, but we still see them as a, another, at least a two, three X, um, growth opportunity that's impressive growth uh, projections but most of my listeners are actually early stage founders so let's focus on your angel investment experience so when you're looking at the deals when you're making research on them when you're actually you know first things first you take a look at the beach deck right what do you think are the three must-have points on the beach deck yeah that's uh, also very good uh question and i think it's uh from my perspective because I've seen this, I've actually talking to companies at least the 400, 500 per year. So I think it's a, a most important thing that I see from the pitches is first of all, is your competitive landscape, meaning like you shall uh, explain very clearly how do you differentiate from the other competitors. So sometimes people talk, uh, talk to me that uh, they don't have any. De- direct competitor or they don't have any competitor, but I won't invest in those, <laughs> those funders because that's not reality. I mean, if yeah. it's a really disruptive market, I mean, that's already well for sure attracts many competitors. So we don't fear about those uh, competition, but what I like the most is that you have a, already found your niche, uh, basically your, your unique value. And also you have some early, early validations of that uh, 
differentiation. So that's one, uh, the competitive landscape. And the second thing that I care the most is about the team. I think for early stage company, I mean, talking to the founders and meeting, understanding the history of the team is very, very important. So sometimes I see the founder just to put a very, uh, very, uh, like quick slide on, on that, um, on the background, but, but I would suggest the founder to emphasize more or even put this slide, uh, a background slide, uh, about the founders to the very front so that you, when you pitch to the investor, they will directly know who you are and where, uh, what attracts you to become a fund of this company. So that's the second important part that I will pay more of uh, very much attention to. And the last piece, I think it's also, what I feel is quite unique, if I see this, is the uh, a case study. Uh, so for the early state company, it's very hard to get a very solid case study. So a lot of the company that I see when they put together the pitch deck, they're just talking about their perspectives of the of the of the product or of the solution, mm-hmm. and they can talk about that for long uh, for for tens of pages in their in their deck. Yeah. But from the investor side, I, I cannot trust you. I, I don't believe it unless unless there is a real case study that from the customer side they are actually, I mean, pers- uh, understanding this value the same way as you're just describing. So a case study that uh, illustrate the pain point and. Uh, Talk about uh, how they deploy your solution, and also even uh, even even better if you can talk about the how do you charge and why they are willing to pay you under this charging model, this pricing model. That'll be fantastic, fantastic mm-hmm. example for us to understand. And I think based on this case study, based on the team, and also based on your unique differentiations, I think I can make the decision. Nice. That's a great and very, very precise list. I love that list. So let's talk a little bit about the current current landscape of investment. So right now, because of the pandemic, plus uh, right now the riots add up. So it's pretty unpleasant, very unstable, etc. But do you still invest in startups? Are you one of those people who are still deploying money in this ecosystem? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's actually... Uh... Um, um, uh, from my, um, recent, this couple of weeks, I'm actually thinking it's actually a great opportunity to, to invest in the next, uh, I would say, or, or from the fundraising perspective, I would ad- advise your listeners, the startup founders to try to fundraise within this year. I think it's actually a great opportunity right now because us as the fund manager, we, we still have a lot of money in our, in our bank. So we need to deploy those capital. <laughs> That's, I mean, I mean, we, we got the money from the LP. We don't want to waste it in, in our bank sitting, sitting there. Mm-hmm. We definitely want to invest. So, uh, always, always we're looking out for the, the good company, but, uh, talking really, talking about the current situation, I think it's, uh, in the, in the next, the next few months, I think it's actually a great opportunity to, right. uh, to fundraise. The reason is that first of all, the stock market is already back. So you look at the from every single index perspective, and also looking at what we are focusing on the enterprise tech space. Those are like already are already back, or, or even like ten percent higher than yeah. pre-pandemic. So it's crazy. So, so the, <laughs> the 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 market right now is very very positive. 
Um, and that, I think, will continue for, for the rest of the year. I think that's actually um, a very good, um, uh, I, mean, I would say, environment for the founder to raise. Um, and uh, it's actually, and people also got to uh, adjust to doing this online. So a lot of the deals that I've, I've actually made two deals in the past month uh, during this pandemic and everything is done, um, done online. And mm-hmm. uh, those are, we, we have, I've closed very, very fast. So everything is similar. I mean, I don't see any um, extra efforts that we need to adjust because right. of the pandemic. I think everything is, is streamlined. So that's thanks to all the great technology that we have currently. Mm-hmm. And I also uh, talking to the, the whole private market. I think um, the importance of being to, uh, to have a good cash reserve is a, uh, it's very important for the, I would say, to, to, for the next, uh, I would say, three to five years because of the uncertainty of the, of the global market. So that's another reason why I would suggest the founder to uh, reach back to the uh, VCs or the investors um, as soon as possible to start to engage and, uh, and to try to raise in the next few months because, because the, right now the stock is great and the environment is actually getting a very positive sign and the people are feeling optimistic and that's a great opportunity that you can raise your next round or some bridge runs so that you can actually increase your cash reserve and uh, increase your runway uh, to survive for at least two or three years because you, you can never predict for the next year or the year after. Right. That's my actually my um, I have some concerns around that, but I would say for for now it's actually a, a, a great time. And I know the other fellow investors are also coming back to work and it's getting very very active as well. Right, and that's actually great advice. People forget that you know LPs deployed the money in the funds, and the fund managers actually have to deploy the money into the, the startups. So they're just exactly. sitting there and waiting for the moment when they're like more confident. So great advice. Thanks for that. And by the way, you mentioned LPs, and I remembered that in the beginning of this episode, I promised yeah. that we'll touch on to your experience as a limited partner at yeah. a uh, OSS uh, Capital. Can you tell us a little bit about, <clears throat> sorry, what do you limited partners do? What was that? Sure, sounds good. So we talk about this fund manager uh, thing that is my day job. So <laughs> I'm doing that for my LP. So um, mm-hmm. <laughs> on OSS Capital case, I'm actually being an LP myself to deploy my personal money to back uh, that, uh, that fund. So the fund is actually very specialized in the uh, open source uh, community, open source uh, software. Um, so they are uh, the the fund manager um, JJ is a great um, have a tons of experience in that specific area. So I trust his judgment and his uh, ability uh, to attract and also source and uh, basically make the judgment call to invest in the early stage of the OS uh, open source uh, software companies. So from the LP perspective. I think it's uh, very important to leave to give the full uh, autonomy to the fund manager to trust his uh, judgment to make those investment. And as on the other hand, on the other side, we can also help the um, 
the his portfolio, the OSS Capital's portfolio, to maybe attract more for the late, um, a later stage uh, investment to follow as a follow follow on investor, or to introduce more of our resources to his uh, portfolio. So that's um, that's also how my LP is currently helping uh, Scale Asia Ventures portfolios as well. So a lot of the time, the uh, from the LP side, they have a very unique resource and also their ex- experience and expertise. So a lot of the time, the fund manager is communicating with the LP quite often, uh, especially to ask for advice or ask for resources or ask for some synergies um, to help the fund's portfolio to um, to grow uh, better. Right, right. And that's a wonderful explanation. And we're moving on to the last topic of today's episode, which is a call to action. So mm-hmm. this is something that I like to do with all my speakers, and it's forcing my speakers to force my listeners to do a small step that will bring them closer to success of their company. So what's that one small thing that you want the listener to do? as soon as the episode episode is over. So like reading a book or going on Twitter and following someone or whatever it is, what's that thing that you want them to do right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say definitely like uh, if you have a great idea, just uh, shoot me the email. I think that's uh, very important. I mean, I definitely wanted to get into um, the, I'm more than happy to help. Uh, the company to figure out what the best fundraising strategy because I see over the uh, different stages so mm-hmm. um, that I think it's actually uh, uh, very important and I also strongly suggest I would say that the, uh, the founders to or, or even the founder to be where they, they haven't quit their job yet I think it's great time to to think about your next great idea because I mean after the pandemic uh, sorry after the crisis if you look mm-hmm. at 2008 or 09, I mean, there is always a boom in right. the startups. So it's never um, um, be a better time uh, than the uh, than the current current timing. And also, the look at all those uh, private uh, private market investors like us. We we have a lot of capital, so so we definitely uh, and there's less companies that can survive. So mm-hmm. the, the the good company can easily easily attract uh, a good capital, and uh, and it's it's a great opportunity to become an entrepreneur at this time. Right. So just to make sure, first of all, I will definitely include your uh, email in the description of this episode. So if you have a great idea feel free to reach out to Wally. But last thing that I want to ask you, for those people who think they have a great idea, mm-hmm. what field does this idea has to be in so that you could be a right fit for them? So does it have yeah. to be AI or does it have to be open source or what is yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, general interest in the enterprise tech. So if you're doing anything B2B, mm-hmm. uh, from vertical SaaS, FinTech, uh, health tech, as well as those uh, software companies that we talk about, the, the open source, the infrastructure, cloud native, cybersecurity companies, those are my expertise. So I have a very strong interest and in I can also direct you to some other experts or uh, basically other funds that I'm very familiar with that are actually, um, if I see a better fit. Uh, for the B2C, uh, for the consumer sector, I would say uh, it's actually... Um, 
something that I will be able to direct you to other investors, or you can you shall uh, also I mean basically if, um, maybe subscribe to other fellows that are more specialized in the consumer sector. Mm-hmm. Perfect. I got it, and I will definitely include your uh, email in the description of this episode. And hopefully, you know, people listen to the end. <laughs> Otherwise, they will not see it. So, hopefully, they did. And we'll wrap it up here. Thanks a lot, Wally, for coming up and for sharing your experience. I think that was a wonderful episode. Tons of insights, tons of different topics that we touched on too. So, thanks a lot for that. Thanks for sharing your experience in that field. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day.